He's James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? Do we violate the treaty, Captain? Red alert! All hands, battle stations! This is Captain Kirk. Incorrect. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands battle stations. No! Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday number 28. I am Chris Honeywell and I am here with my co-host Scott Gardner. Hey. As always. And as you can hear, he's setting the bar for intelligent discussion of uh, Star Trek and podcasts. Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, you know, I just have to ask the listeners to just sort of get over his his particular speech impediment and, and listen to the, the, the content of his words than rather how he delivers them. Because he really does the best that he can with what he's got, okay? How you doing, freak? I'm doing all right. <laughs> Thanks for that glowing introduction. Hey, you're I welcome. appreciate that. <laughs> Scott Gardner, so, yeah. he does the best he can with what he's got. With what he's got, yep. <laughs> Thanks, Hyper. That's what it's going to say on my tombstone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did the best he could with what he had. <laughs> oh, um, I thought you were going to put it in the present tense that I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever decomposed as well as he, he has. He's <laughs> doing a bang-up job of it. Oh, we're off to a morbid start right out of the gate. <laughs> I'm telling you, that, um, as a corpse, he just went for it, man. I don't know what he was thinking. All right. Sorry. So do we want to uh, We want to make our big announcement up front or on the back end of this? Well, we might you, as well we make it up that? front so they know what's right. coming because it's, 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 it's such a big – It's we are so goddamn fast here at, at, at Two True Freaks <laughs> that we announce it and – it doesn't like happen next month. It's happening right now, man. Right now, You're in the moment of 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 it happening. So, surprise! At least it's a good surprise, right? I don't. It, I think it's an awesome surprise. I think the listeners are really going to enjoy this. Here's what's going on, folks. Just like an ass, we're splitting right down the middle with Star Trek Monthly Monday. We're gonna give you two. Two, that's count them, two doses of Star Trek every single month. We're going to have 
Star Trek, classic Star Trek, will be the first part of the show. We'll be covering, you know, as we've been doing, a random episode of the original series. Plus, now, not one, not two, but three issues of the DC Comics Star Trek series. So that'll help us get that much faster to uh, uh, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, and other movies down the pike. And then... In the other episode, the other Star Trek episode, the, the part two, if you will, will be not one, but two episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. So you'll be getting two episodes there. And uh, we won't be covering any comics in the beginning of that show, any next-gen comics. Now, there was a six-issue miniseries that DC put out that was uh, called Star Trek The Next Generation. But quite frankly... It sucks monkey ass, so we're not going to be covering that series. It was just absolutely horrible. And it I, was heard it, I heard it had a story that had the, um, the triumphant return of the space leprechauns. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I read it once, and it was absolutely horrible. And it was one of those deals where I know that, that they did a similar thing with that series like they did with the very first Next Generation novel beyond the uh, the adaptation of uh, Encounter at Farpoint, the first novel that came out was, uh, I think it was called Ghost Ship. And it was actually written before the show was even like in production or finished or on the air, something in, in that process. So the characterizations weren't even finalized and everything. And they, they didn't really have an idea of, of exactly how things would solidify between like the you know, the, the stage where they thought the show up and, you know, what it finally became, you know, once it hit the airwaves. I got the same impression reading that that miniseries that DC put out, that it was one of those things, you know, kind of like the earliest issues of Marvel, you know, Marvel Star Wars, where they were kind of working off, you know, some early print or something like that, you know, some right. pre-production stuff where they didn't know what the final thing was going to look like that's really what that miniseries made me feel like when i read it was like well that character you know doesn't seem right and you know that doesn't look like that and that sort of thing and beyond that though was just the simple fact that it was just terrible it just wasn't any good so i'm not going to subject myself to that pain all over again i already did that with rereading marvel's uh star trek series you know that was based off of the you know the the first movie era yeah you took one for the team with that one yeah yeah. I, i definitely Some of the issues was really good, but uh, I don't even think I could say that for this next-gen one. So what we'll be doing is when we get to season two of next-gen, which should happen a lot fa- you know, Well, it'll happen at double speed now because we'll be uh, covering two, two episodes at a time. Then we'll start with um, the uh, next-gen series proper, you know, the ongoing series that, uh, that DC had. I've never read it, so I have no idea if it's good or bad. I've heard really good things about it. The art looks very good. And, uh, you know, just judging by the cover to issue one, I see it has Pulaski on it. So that seems to place it firmly in, uh, you know, season two territory. So when we get to season two, then we'll, uh, we'll throw in at least an issue. We'll probably just do an issue because we'll already be doing two episodes. Anyway, that's the big announcement, folks. Just that much more Star Trek coming at you yep. every month. And they'll come out. Um, what what I'm shooting for is having them edited and put out on the same Monday. So you won't have to wait, you know, for, for one of them. They'll both be out at the same time. And 
That way, if you just absolutely hate Star Trek The Next Generation, you can just... You could just skip that one, maybe, or if you <gasps> oh, you better not ever skip love, a single. If you episode. love both of them, then you get a little extra of both every month. If I find out that we have listeners out there skipping episodes, I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to kick you square oh in the ass. Oh my god, you're going to be a busy man. I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like that montage at the end of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> I could live with that actually. I could make a I could make a career out of that. That'd be a lot of fun. Ding dong, Avon. Yeah. Hello? Hello, are you Mr. Uh, you know, Edward Jones? Did you skip episode such and such of Two True Freaks? Why, yes, I did, because it sucked. You know, can you turn around, please, so I can kick you square in the ass? Thank you. Come again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, drive through. <laughs> I'm in a weird mood tonight. Can, I, can you tell? It's that Mountain Dew, isn't it? It is. It's not even Mountain Dew. It's like the it's like the the Publix brand Mountain Whiz or whatever the hell it's <laughs> <Yeah>. called. <laughs> hmm. or, or like the drinks that we used to the the I used to drink in high school with vodka and Mountain Dew, Mo- Mountain yeah. Screws or Dew Drivers or. You know what? You just you just figure you just answered a mystery for me. I kept I'm drinking this stuff, going, wow, this just doesn't taste the way it, it did the last time I got it, and I figured out what it is. It doesn't have any vodka in it. Yeah. That's why it tastes right. Yeah, I, I haven't. I believe that it or not, folks, ingredient. I have actually have not been drinking for our shows for quite a while now. I I should have announced this sooner because, uh, you know, if they were going on the assumption that all these you know all this time, then they they probably would figure out I'm well, like just. It's hard, to, out, it's hard to like, notice because you don't drink to the point where you start like s- your speech starts slowing down or slurring. <laughs> no, you know? I sound like this all the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I, I it's funny because I saw a video on on YouTube that was like Picard is drunk, and it was him having a conversation with Q. But they did that Jay, I think it was Jay Leno. That's one of those late night hosts would do it. Where they would slow down the person's speech, but they would have a pitch corrector that would keep it in the right pitch. So, right. so, so, you know, and they, I think they did it at first with like George Bush. And when you do it with anybody, it makes them sound like they're just ridiculously drunk. And they did that with Picard, you know. So everything he said to Q was just like, I have an idea. Why <laughs> don't you get off my <laughs> ship? Maybe we should do a whole show like that. I gotta, I gotta look into my uh, software and see if I can pitch correct us, and and uh, <laughs> we could do a fake drunk show where I'll just slow down our speech. Or we can just go out and buy something. Or we can just get drunk, drunk and, and make it a lot easier on ourselves. Yeah, I think I would enjoy that a whole hell of a lot better. Actually, <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking. That's perfectly doable. Well, the thing is, the thing I, I've discovered, at, at least you know going on the empirical evidence of only yes. one YouTube video, you know, that, I, I can't remember which panel it was that we did where, um, it was the one where I introdu- introduced myself as the drunk guy. I was pretty much shit-faced. That was, the, that, that was the, that must have been the adult themes one because the other one was yeah. like in the morning and, and we yeah, definitely right. didn't go into that one in the morning with all the little kids there drunk. But you know, we did that and I mean, I was I was plowed pretty good. Yet I watched that video and I'm like, you know, I I seem you hold okay. Your you know, pretty I mean, good. Yeah, I'm surprised cuz well, that's, you know, Now this isn't a fat a joke, but trick. you're not a small guy. You're a tall guy. You've got a big frame on you. You can probably pack some, you know, pack some alcohol in there. 
Right. Whereas opposed to me, I'm a little runty guy. You know, one or two <laughs> beers, and I'm like acting the fool. I'm like, you know, pissing on the 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 principal's <laughs> leg and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, sorry, did I do that? I thought I was just thinking about pissing. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'm a really friendly drunk. I'm a I'm a happy happy drunk. Oh yeah, you're one of those people. No. I shouldn't be. I should be a. I, by my personality, you would figure that I would be like that bitter fucking tell you off drunk. But no, I I actually get very peaceful. It's very rare that I get that. I can't remember the last time I got drunk. Yeah, I'm like I'm like the I'm like the stupid drunk. I mean, when I get like really really plowed, yeah, it's you're just like, doofy. I remember I remember that from well, high school. It, it's 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 you know I, I I become like the daredevil drunk. Right, you know, it's like. Yeah, I can jump off that building, yep. no problem. Yep. You know, it's, it's like, no, no, dude, you really don't want to do that. That's you know, that building's thirty stories high. You know. Yep. Well, I, so. I, I, I used to, I, I used to know this guy who who made his own wine, and he he would make sake, which is like a rice wine, and he's like, mm-hmm. I, he's like, I don't, I make the sake, but I give that to other people because it turns me into Superman. And last time I broke my shoulder that I drank the sake because I said, watch me, I could leap off this porch. <laughs> so yeah watch out see you should have been born in alabama yeah then thanks just, that would have been awesome right, hey you would you just fit right in because you know that's, that's the most common that's the most commonly heard last thing somebody ever says in alabama is uh hey watch this yeah yeah exactly sweet home alabama <laughs> i used to work with a bunch of guys from bama <laughs> construction workers from bama Best, best um, porta potty graffiti you could ever hope for. The most insane, illiterate stuff this side of the internet. <laughs> Two true freaks perpetuating stereotypes. All right, so we have a lot of shit to cover. Oh, oh yeah. you had a, you had something you wanted to talk about before we get into this, right? Yes, I actually I read um, the IDW two issue series of Star Trek Infestation. Which now this is the zombies, uh, zombies in Star zombies Trek. Zombies in Star thing, Trek. Right? It's part of IDW's. Yeah. Like has a lot of their licensed franchisey things, and they're doing you know a sort of crossover thing. So there's a Transformers one. There's a Ghostbusters one. Oh really? And I'm trying to remember. Maybe I might actually have to pull the comic out of its plastic little home here and and. And look at G.I. <laughs> Joe was the other one. There's a there's oh, wow. a G.I. Joe series of them. And uh yeah, it was only it was a two issue little mini series and it's uh oh, okay. it's the Tipton brothers. And uh I'm I'm always I I'm just gonna tease this briefly that uh that I've been been in communication with uh Scott Tipton and uh we may possibly be able to get him on the show sometime. That would just be cool. uh, just throwing it out there. Oh yeah, I'd love to have him. He he was definitely interested in the idea. So I've been it's a matter stuff, of timing. So. Yeah. Um it's it's interesting. I would I would recommend it. Uh I I'll tell you this on the on the at the get go, it's not it's more of a Star Trek story than a zombie story. Uh, uh, unlike, um, if you want to cross the streams, unlike the the um, Star Wars zombie novel, 
which was mm-hmm. pretty much a zombie story set in the Star right. Destroyer. This is pretty much a Star Trek take on zombies. As is as is it's a very scientific you know, it's it's basically Kirk, Spock and McCoy and three red shirts. You know, security guys beam down <laughs> to a planet. Larry Moe and Curly. That's supposedly yeah, there. It's a routine, you know, routine little, little deal. There, and it's supposed to be a really nice planet. They're, Come on, McCoy, you'll love it down there. It's supposed to be really nice. And there's nobody there, and it's, uh, you know, it turns out everybody is a zombie there. And, um, <laughs> but it's not a gore. It's not a horror comic. You know, the the zombies are addressed like in any Star Trek story as a plague. You know, there's some sort of disease that's taken over the the settlers and they show no life signs, but here they are walking around, you know, so that's how it's approached. So, you know, I mean, there's there's not a lot of killing. In it. They're like, OK, well, we can't kill them because we might be able to cure them. So it's basically, you know, how they evade them. And it has a has a neat talking robot in it. Um, but it's a very Star Trek story. I enjoyed it. Um um, just don't go in there expecting it to be a zombie, you know, you know, zombies meet Star Trek in in a pure sense. It makes it, it actually makes sense that they I think they approached it this way. And uh, and from the excerpts I saw in the back of it for say for like the Ghostbusters one and the Transformers one, it looks like they do that with all of them in the G.I. Joe one. You know, they uh, they sort of do them in the form of. Yeah, the the Ghostbusters one looked very comedic. You know, it looked very, uh, you know, humorous. And the the Transformers one looked like it was going to be a big monster battle. You know, and the GI Joe one, the GI Joe one didn't even have a zombie in it. It was basically sort of a little weird little Cobra Command moment. But uh, hmm. yeah, it, they're they're good. I don't I don't want to say too much about it because it's a it's they're brand new comics and I don't want to spoil anything on them. But I definitely I definitely recommend them. Uh, great covers. I love the. Of course, when I say great covers, that's meaningless because each one of them has like fifty four different covers. <laughs> you know, I've like the number one I've got cover A, and number two I've got cover B. But I love cover A is a retro. It's got the the old 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 school sort of sixties style jaggedy Star Trek text, you know that has behind it has the Enterprise with the little line coming out of its hiney. Oh, you know, cool! That, yeah, that that logo. I love that. You know, and a very stylistic painting of Kirk and Spock with a with a zombie underneath them, with a very Walking Dead looking zombie underneath them. But uh, yeah. Not, not. I don't highly, highly recommend them, but I, they're, they're good. You know, I, I haven't really gone wrong with any of the IDW Star Trek so far. From, yeah, I've been playing it safe a lot and getting tipped and stuff and John Byrne mm-hmm. stuff mostly. But even the stuff that I've read off outside of that, at worst has been like pretty good. You know what I mean? So. Oh yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you because. Uh... You know, there there have definitely been stories I've liked more than others, or issues I've liked more than others. But I haven't outright disliked anything I've read uh, coming out of IDW's Star Trek yet. Um, I just read a couple not long ago. They're not brand spanking new. They've been out for a while now, but you know, they're they're fairly recent. Uh-huh. I, I really enjoyed um, 
it was two of the the captain's log series i i think they've all been one shots so far and uh the two i read there was uh captain's log harriman and there was captain's log um jellico and i i don't have them in front of me so i can't tell you who the creative teams are right. I'm, I'm not sure if it was the tiptons or not but uh, i got the pike one the, oh that's right you were telling how was that it was good the uh the harriman one I would say was great. I really liked it, and and the reason I liked it a lot is that it kind of redeemed that character. Now, my take on that character when I watch Generations isn't quite the same as everybody else's. I, I, I see things from a different angle, but the story takes it from the angle that he was just, you know, just, you know, just pretty much a fuck up in generations and and you know how did this guy get to be the captain if you know he was such a milk toast and all that sort of thing so it was, it's done more as a story of redemption for the character and uh, i really liked it because uh, uh mccoy comes aboard the ship you know aboard the enterprise b and this is some point after generations like maybe a, a year or two have passed and uh harriman's thinking about you know leaving the service because he can't seem to get over this stigma you know of of Kirk having died while he was the captain and all that and at first he and uh, McCoy have a very adversarial relationship and it, it you know it kind of goes from there I don't want to give too much of it away but it was a really good uh, little story it was you know just a one shot but I really enjoyed it and then the second one the other one uh, the the Jellico one it wasn't bad um, I thought it suffered in the art department. It had kind of an abstract sort of art style to uh -huh. it that I didn't really care for. It was kind of like a watercolory looking sort of art style. And it wasn't a bad story or anything, but it just didn't really do anything for me because I felt like the moral of the story is Jellico is an asshole. And I'm like, well, I knew that going in, you know, so it was like it didn't really add anything, but it wasn't bad either. You know, it was it was an enjoyable piece of, you know, next gen but uh, I, I would have liked it a little bit better if it had it had kind of dug under the surface a lot more of Jellico because he was an interesting character. You know, when we saw him in uh, in Next Gen, you know, he, I don't know if you ever saw that episode, Chris. He was played by uh, Ronnie Cox, who was an actor I like a lot, and he was just kind of a dick, you know. And so I saw this one shot, and I, I picked it up with the idea that. You know, well, maybe it's going to shade this character in a little bit. And, you know, you're going to find out his backstory and find out why he seems to be such a hard ass and everything. And it never really does. It just kind of gives you more of the same of him being a really stern taskmaster. He, he to me, is like a throwback to like old sea captains, you know, that were just, you know, hard as nails right. and really, really rode their crew, you know. And that's how he, he's portrayed in the in the episode that he was in. But it's also, again, how he's portrayed in this book. And so you don't really get any insights to the character at all. It more focuses on this new, I think she was a first officer, some new officer he's breaking in. It was more her story than his. So that was my only criticism of it, is I wish it had, had gained a little more insight into you know his character, because it was supposed to be his one shot. But that said, I still enjoyed it. But that's all I got. That's about all I got, too. I say we get to our... Yeah. The juicy main <laughs> part of our our show, the actual TV show. The Juicy Insides. Yep.
All right. And Am I reading the synopsis on this you baby are the, this you time? You are the synopsizer on, on Star Trek, for sure. Synopsis. I still love that word. All right. Let's see here. Wink of an eye. That's the one we're covering. Classic Star Trek episode, Wink of an Eye. According to what I'm looking at here, first aired November 29th, 1968. Man, you and I were just, just wee tykes yeah. at the time. Just little shit straight up the room. Yeah. Ooh, that, that sounds gross when you think about it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Even All right, when you don't think about it, it's pretty Even gross. Even when you don't think about it. Uh, responding to a distressed call from the planet Scalos. The Enterprise discovers a beautiful city with no signs of life except for mysterious insect-like buzzing sounds. The sounds are the result of the Scalosian attempts to communicate. The inhabitants of the planet have been poisoned by radiations from the core of Scalos, resulting in incredibly accelerated metabolism in males and females and male sterility. Ouch. On the Enterprise, Kirk is administered a dose of Scalosian water which accelerates him to the level of the beautiful Dila, Queen of Scalos, who needs his help to repopulate her planet. Hey, now you're talking. Help me. <laughs> Kirk records a tape informing Mr. Spock of the situation. To Spock and the entire Enterprise crew, Kirk has ceased to exist. They cannot perceive accelerated individuals except as, quote-unquote, insect sounds. McCoy finds an antidote to the Sclosion water. He always finds an antidote, doesn't he? Yep. I think McCoy just has a magic little box that that reverses whatever <laughs> you put in it. You know, it takes a molecular right. thing and just says, okay, we'll reverse this. Uh, and then Spock drinks the water and accelerates himself. Locating Kirk, Spock administers the antidote to the captain, staying behind in his accelerated state to undo the Sclosion's damage to the Enterprise. The defeated aliens return to their world. And that is Wink of an Eye. Now, I'm I'm dying to know what you think about this one. because This has always been I, one of my favorite episodes, to tell you the really? truth. Really? Okay. Because right. as a kid, the concept of this episode... There were two episodes where that, that were very similar to this. That were very similar to each other. It was... And I don't, can't remember the name of the other one, but the other one was where... They could crunch. They removed everybody's water and turned them into little yeah. dodecahedrons. And and yeah. at one what point, one of the guys name? crushed one of them up just as a cruel, you know, demonstration to Kirk. And, yeah. And what is the name of that one? Because I I like that one a lot better than this one. They're very similar. You know, they're very. Yeah. They're, um, but um, the the concept. I you know the concept when I was a little kid of having your metabolism sped up so much that everything else just slows down to, uh, you know, I never thought of that, you know. And I remember watching this episode thinking, wow, this is probably what the world looks like to a hummingbird, you know. Because I remember, you know, somebody, you know, seeing a hummingbird and somebody telling me, well, you know, its metabolism is so fast, you know, and not really... You know, not really having that register as a kid, but that Star Trek episode drove it home. So it was a little bit, it was crap science, but it was still a little bit of science that blew my mind. And that, and you know, and the whole thing of like just hearing the little insect buzz 
and the idea that that was people, you know, milling around you and, and having conversations and feeling you up and having sex in front of you and stuff all the while while you're completely unaware of it because you know that's what they were doing. They were like <laughs> they were like eating their lunch off the top of your head and stuff like that and laughing and dressing you up in little dresses and taking pictures and putting them up on the space internet and all that stuff. But that, so, I mean, it's a little bit of nostalgia, the reason that I like this one, I'd say, you know, because I, I just, when I was a kid, it was just fascinating to me, fascinating. And I think Spock actually says that when he speeds, when everybody slows down, I think that's, Spock just goes fascinating and walks off screen. I, I Damn, I can't find the name of that episode. I know exactly the one you're talking yeah. about where... Where they turn people into the little salt cubes, and I yeah. damn it, I can't think of the name of that one. Uh somebody will somebody will write in or something. And that's tell us more. That's some more great junk science. It's like if you just re, like remove the water from somebody, then all you have to do is add water, and all of a sudden, like their brain's back working the way it, you know. <laughs> it's like, hey, what happened? I don't. Oh, oh, I was dried out there for a minute. Oh, I feel fine. <laughs> yeah, I so. I'm not saying that I I love this episode, but I I definitely enjoy watching it. Maybe for a lot of campy reasons, maybe um, uh, because what's her name's pretty hot. Um, no, I know, I know. No, again, we're gonna disagree. She, I don't, I don't. Yeah, she's creepy looking. I know, I know. You find all sexy women repulsive. I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, keep going. <laughs> hey, that is not true. There's just something. F- she's kind of freaky looking. I think she's. I don't know. Her head looks funny. I you see. I like, I like with the, nice I like normal the looking quirky, heads. I like the quirky looking women with the Linus heads. <laughs> Linus heads. <laughs> no, she has a she has a little bit of the uh, um um what 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 do I call it the um um praying mantis head. Yes, a little bit of that, but. Yes, she does. I don't like the praying mantis head if it's on a really skinny, 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 skinny girl. That always it looks even more like a praying mantis head, you know. But she wasn't a little skinny, little. She was a night, you know. Yeah, I yeah, I definitely would have put my boots back on after. Hey, and and I'm gonna make the joke that that you might have. I'm gonna beat you to it if you have it written down. And everybody who's ever done a podcast on this episode. Boy, uh, Captain Kirk actually gets a quickie in this episode. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. The quickest you. quickie <laughs> of all. The quickest quickie of all. You're absolutely right. Although, you know, well, yeah, I guess it would have been back then. The commercial, There weren't as many commercials back then. So, yeah, it actually was a pretty quick quickie, wasn't right, it? Right, yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm surprised that that one slid by the censors. And I that, really well, am. that's a that... classic moment of TV shorthand for Scroggin. It's like mm-hmm. Kirk Kirk's putting his boots on and she's brushing her hair. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like. <laughs> well, let's see here. I got I actually have quite a lot of notes on an episode that I don't really like all that much. I have to be honest. With you. By the way, the episode, the name of that other one. By any other name, ah, okay. The, that's that's the one with the with the salt cubes. I'll be interested when we when we do that one if I still like that episode because I liked it when I was a kid, 
But I, I'm not sure if I'll still like that one now. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. It freaked time. me out as a kid because it had cold-blooded killing in it. <laughs> cold-blooded. Cold-blooded killing. Let's see here. Checkout's not in it. Noted that right off the bat. Um, I made a note to myself, and then I was looking at something today, and I, I answered my own question. But I was I was noticing the matte painting. When uh, Kirk beams down to the planet in the very beginning, I was like, ooh, that's really, really nice. I was like, is that new? Because I, I don't remember that. New. It is new. Yeah, it's all new for the remastered edition. I actually like the, the original one quite a bit, too. It's a lot more... Uh, it's a lot more angular and you know that 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 60s right. you know projection of the future that I like so much but uh I like the new one too it's it's very cool it's a little more star warsy i think yeah. but it's still very cool I love the part where uh Kirk and Spock find that unit that the uh, Skelosians are installing in the engine room or where that's not even actually the engine room it's, it's like some corridor like some closet somewhere. yeah yeah closet and they walk in and Kirk looks at it and he goes what is it and I, I was watching it by myself, and I literally out loud said to the TV, it's an air conditioner, dumbass. Because it doesn't it look just like, yeah. it looks like a modern-day air conditioner. It's just this big unit, this big clunky unit with, like, dryer hoses running out of it. I was like, come on, you've never seen an air conditioning unit before? It's not a big mystery. <laughs> All right, this is one of probably my biggest issue with the episode. There's a part where... Spock goes to his station, talks to the computer, and he asks the computer, computer, have we been invaded? And the computer says, affirmative. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just back the fuck up. All right. There's something on the Enterprise where the computer can tell that the Enterprise has been invaded. And doesn't say anything about it. It doesn't say anything. Yeah, exactly. You didn't ask. Wait for Spock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. You didn't ask. Asshole. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's exactly my point right there. Guy you, in you space, asshole. <laughs> Come on, there's they can they can program the computer to virtually think, but they can't program it to actually let somebody know when there's you know, like, Come to think it's of it, it's a simple if then statement that they just have to put into its program. <laughs> right. Maybe that's why when we get to Star Trek the motion picture, they make sure when there's an intruder, it tells you like 50 times, remember? Intruder alert. Intruder alert. Remember? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Excuse that's me, why... Captain. Intruder alert. Captain. Captain. <laughs> Captain. Captain. I noticed, I noticed in, the, uh, in the director's cut of the motion picture, they've actually taken that out, by the way. That, that The fact that it says intruder alert. like I mean, it says it a lot of times before it finally <laughs> shuts up. That must that I bet you that's I'm gonna that's gonna be my own that my own contribution to Star Trek retcons right there is that it was it was put into the motion picture because of this episode because the friggin' computer didn't bother to tell anybody until it was asked. <laughs> oh my god! Did you notice how Kirk smirks when he sees Dila for the first time? Oh yeah. He's just got this look like, oh yeah. Oh, he's this I'm, is the ultimate I'm, Kirk Horn dog. There's a one point where she's talking, and he's just sort of like doing the like, yeah, 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 looking at her boobs, you know, and mm -hmm. like not listening. And she's like, 
blah 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 blah, and we need people to mate with. And as soon as she says mate, he like he's like a dog that he- hears the word like go out. You know, he goes huh. Right. You see him I'm perk. So you see him no, perk right up. That is he actually one Kirk of my perk. Notes. Which the, she says the word mate and you completely catches his attention. That is that yeah. is my. He was drifting off before that point. He was starting to you know he's like thinking uh, I got some sorry and brandy back in my cabin. I wonder if it'll affect me faster now that I have a faster. Wait, mate? Did she say mate? <laughs> right. Well, it's it's like you said the the thing with the dog reminds me of that Far Side cartoon with a guy yeah. scalding his blah 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 ginger <laughs> right blah 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 ginger <laughs> it's like blah 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 Kirk blah 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 mate and he was like <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah let's this see. this one is just like and and oh my god she just she just like okay so yeah so. Rael can't get it up, okay? We get that within the first five <laughs> seconds that we see the poor sap. He can get it up. He's just shooting blanks. He's shooting That's... blanks or whatever. I, I'm suspecting more that he doesn't even bother to get it up anymore because he's just <laughs> such a pathetic slob in this. And, man, she just rubs it right in his face. Just constantly she's just like, well, you know, I wouldn't have to be humping the big dick captain if you weren't such a limp dick wimp well, that's but it's not your fault Rael I still love you uh, get to work I've got to go mate with Kirk at least I like him <laughs> he runs into the room to stab Kirk or whatever he's trying to do I he really should be coming after her yeah. I feel in that scene rather than coming after Kirk it's like Kirk's just kind of the innocent slob in this situation you know <laughs> well I, I don't know well, how innocent of. he is <laughs> <laughs> He's, he doesn't want to do her. He has. He he's had forced to. He had to, he had to hump some information out of her. <laughs> there you but, go. Uh, yeah, I now, mean, she just, I mean, she just, I don't know if they just wanted to make sure that everybody got it who was watching the show, but man, she just like, she just like walks him up to a picture of his limp penis and just takes his face and just starts mashing it into it slowly <laughs> going, look at that. That's you, Rael. That's you. <laughs> Oh, by the way, I figure this isn't a kid-friendly episode. Oh, um. <laughs> no, not not as much as some of the other ones. I want to see you figure out a creative way to Photoshop a, a limp dick into the picture for this. No, I'll, 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 I, I will, I will use symbology. I will have maybe a picture of a noodle that says Real. And then, like, I don't know, a picture of, like, a Louisville slugger that says James T. Kirk and have her, like, you know. Which one do you think she's going for, folks? <laughs> oh, my stomach hurts. I know how to, I know how to, you know, I know how to. Oh, wait a minute. Line, I take man. it back about the computer thing. That may not be my biggest nitpick. Uh-oh. All right. When Kirk and the party beamed back up to the Enterprise, the Skolosians beamed up with them. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Again, back to fuck up. All right, they undetected. Did notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 wait a minute. The computer would have to notice that. That is a function of... They don't teleport, all right? They, 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 the transporter works by scanning the life form 
creating like a like a computer model of it, breaking it down, turning it to energy, and then bringing it back, you know, on the ship later on or wherever. That that's that's the basic function of how it works. So if this thing picks up extra life, I mean, remember, whenever they beam up and down, they always say something like, you know, three to beam up or four to beam up right. or whatever. So they, they, I just don't think it's possible that they could beam up completely undetected. So that's a big point of the story that you've got to just kind of forget about in order for the story to work. But also, all right, if these guys are sped up to the point where like later when Kirk shoots his phaser on the bridge and you can actually see the beam just kind of like out of the thing, which again, why does nobody on the bridge see that happen? Exactly. But forgetting that point for a moment, if you're, if you're accelerated that fast to where you could actually dodge light beams, how excruciating would it be to be broken down to your subsequent molecules and over the course of like eight hours yeah uh, yeah i mean come on i mean i think that would be a maddening process yeah looking down know? and it's like it's only up to our knees so far god damn it <laughs> right. don't move don't move <laughs> right oh uh, i mean you got to think about these things if if you know you're following you know the the tenets of the episode i think one thing i did like though is that they have uh uh, the communicators that the Scalosians used, the very next generation, you know, with yeah. them being right there on the collar and they pushed the little button to talk and yep. all that. I thought that was pretty cool. And Kirk, Kirk gets to beat somebody down, old, old, you know, old style Kirk style, you know, when he, when he, you know, Compton tries to stop him at the door. He's like, no, you can't go in there. And Kirk just, okay, well, he's, he does that classic Kirk, like half turn. And yep. you always can tell when he's going to, you know, He's about to really throw down and beat somebody's ass because he just gets that look. He gets know? that look and he gets sort of like, well, okay, <laughs> I'm oh. going now. All right. <laughs> it's, it seems like the bad guys would catch on to that trick and like start passing the memo around. Okay, when Kirk does this, it means he's about to yeah. try something, you know? Yeah. Don't talk to him. Just knock him out. Don't even bother like having a conversation with him. Just knock the guy out. Tie him up, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> it's gonna trick you. And if he asks you how how you've been, run. Right. <laughs> One thing that uh, I think really hurts this episode, or at least it hurts my enjoyment of it, is the constant Batman TV show camera angles that they kept pulling. And at first, I thought, okay, that you know, Batman must have really been influencing the look of shows at this time. But then I got to realizing they were doing that in certain points where it was supposed to be drawing your attention to things either being accelerated or decelerated, you know, at a, at a different time frame than whatever character right. you were paying attention to at the time. But it got really annoying after a while because it, after a bit, it just seemed like it was there for no other reason than to try to give it some sort of edgy look or something. Uh -huh. And it just, it came off feeling way too much like an episode of Batman to me, which you know, I don't care for, so. <laughs> oh, what else we got? What else you got? You must have some more notes on this one, don't you? Well, um, we get to see some of uh, James Doohan's awesome vocal skills in this one as he starts <laughs> out being giving the, the captain's log, and you just hear how, well, that's, you just yeah. notice how wonderful Scotty's diction is. 
Scotty speaks very, you know, when he's doing his log, he speaks very clearly and precisely. And I, I, I was just str- struck by that, that it was like, you know, that was some, that was something I didn't know till I was an adult that Duhan was a, was really, you know, more, more of a voice actor than right. anything else. And uh, you, it really shows in that first scene. You really see him using his vocal skills. Um, um, and you also get to hear, and, and this actually is something that really uh, comes to um, Shatner's defense, is he says the word, um, he says the word sabotage. I don't say sabotage. You say sabotage. I say sabotage. Is this why you sabotaged my ship? Oh, it has not been sabotaged. We we had to make in some this. changes in it. Oh, does he? He says sabotage. She she says sabotage first. She says sabotage. And then he says something back, and he says sabotage. And I was just like, so he wasn't just being pretentious. He does actually pronounce it sabotage because there it is, you know, years before or within, <laughs> you know, a couple of years of before that, that infamous voiceover thing. There, That was there a number is. of years between the, the original series and the animated series. Yeah. So, yeah, that does actually lend some. I didn't. I totally missed that. I did not oh, catch I, that. I, 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 as, soon as, it, as soon as it came out of his mouth, I was just like, aha, there it is, you know, <laughs> the smoking gun. Finally. <laughs> After Smoking. all these years, we can we can free Shatner of that that onus of the being a pretentious actor. Um, and I have two uh, two little uh, quibbles about McCoy. First of all, he's a doctor, not a freezer, because every time they're standing <laughs> still, he's wiggling all over the place. Everybody else is pretty good at standing still. He looks like the end. Remember that TV show that didn't run for very long called police squad. Yeah. At the end of every show, they would all freeze and the credits would roll. And then after a while you would see people start to move a little bit or something in the background, stop, start to move. Right. That's what McCoy reminded me of in this episode. He was always (laughs) like blinking his eyes and twitching his mouth and, and moving his hands. And, and he's an asshole. McCoy is an asshole because, all right, I'll, th- I'll, I'll through this before Kirk gets sped up. He's like, do you hear that noise? That noise. And, the, and, and there's one point where McCoy's like, maybe you're having some sort of audio hallucination, Jim, blah, blah, blah. But then later on when Kirk's after he's sped up and they, they, they play the tape and He's just like, oh, it's that insect noise. I've been hearing that ever I'm since we got from day. the planet. It's like, yeah, then why did, you, why did you tell Kirk he was crazy then? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about, Jim. You must be nuts. <laughs> he's just, he's just fucking with him. <laughs> that's a good catch. I did not catch uh, that. It's just like, Jesus Christ, McCoy. You know, that's kind of, uh, it's that's actually a kind of an important, like- important plot plot element right there you know you could have maybe saved a little work if you would have said you know what jim i've been hearing that noise too ever since we got back from the planet just like you said 
<laughs> but that's the kind of shit McCoy pulls. You know, like in the first movie, you know, bitching and complaining about, you know, Kirk getting the, it's an, it's an obsession, Jim. It's unhealthy. And then the very next movie is like, Jim, I think you need to get the Enterprise back. You know, you're going to begin an old man and, you know, do what you were meant to yeah. do. It's like, that's not what you make, said last movie, Make asshole. up your mind, dick. <laughs> I just have to know, and I'm sorry, with apologies to the actor that played him, Rayal is one freaky-looking dude. He's just, he's not a pretty man at all. No, he reminds me of a character, he reminds me of, like, Kier Dule from 2001 (laughs) or something. One of those weird, like, stiff-as-a-board guys with the weird, like, I don't know if his eyes are set far apart or something, but there's just something weird and wooden and... Med- you know, medicated about right him. There. If I was ever gonna buy into, uh, oh, what the hell was the name of that movie with um, Meryl Streep with the un the undead of Hollywood? What the hell was the name of that? Oh, movie? The, it was a Zemeckis movie, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, if I was ever Death Becomes Her. Death Becomes Her, and the and at the end of it, there Bruce Willis become you know he goes on a a. a campaign to like convince people that there's like undead in Hollywood and everything. I think Cure Delay should be near the top of that list. That dude never ages. Have you seen him? He's still alive? Well, I don't know if he's still alive today, but the last time I saw him was not terribly long ago and he had joined the cast of some soap opera. And I was like, holy shit, 2001 came out the year you and I were born. born. Yes. And that dude didn't look like he'd aged a day since then. Yeah. I was like 42 wow. years. Yeah. Sometimes I mean, you know, I mean, that that wouldn't seem weird maybe over a 20 year span or something, you know. Right. What no, I find he, funny now being in my 40s is I look back at 80s stuff where some of the actors who I were like, "Oh, that guy's old and stuff." And now I look at it and go, Hey, that guy's my age. Ernest Borgnine was my age. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know. Scary. I know exactly what you mean. Where in the hell did Spock get video of the moment that Compton disappeared? Oh, you mean that if, fully edited edited and yes. from different camera angles video? I don't know. They just seem to be that just seems to happen in Star Trek all the time. Except when they actually need video evidence of something important. When they actually need it, they can't get it. But in this case, they didn't even really need that, well, yet they just happen to have it. I'll just it put like, it this way. What? Even these days, when you have video of weird things happening, what's the first thing you do when you analyze that video? Slow it, Slow down, it down as much mm-hmm. as you can. So yep. you would have thought they would have analyzed every frame of that video and go, look, you know. He's speeding up. Well, you know, Kirk stands there and does his little dramatic Kirk pose in the lab while while Spock and McCoy and, and Nurse Chapel are working. He's standing there and he's giving his little speech, you know, about exact he's laying it all out for Spock, exactly what's going on. Now I had the impression he was doing, you know, basically audio only recording. And then he sneaks the little disc into Spock station. Spock finds it, you know, later, plays it back. It's full video. And in one part, I forget what Kirk says, but Kirk makes some some dramatic point, and the computer does a dramatic close-up. Right. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. 
<laughs> well, here's, an, here's another thing is the mechanics of that record without you asking it, yet it knows when to do dramatic close-ups. Oh, I can tell by the timbre of your voice. It's, oh, yeah, he's, yeah. he's getting ready for the big close-up. You better pull in. But uh, <laughs> also, you know, using these, using like this recording instrument, how is this recording instrument recording his voice? You know, it should be moving. It, it sh- the mechanism of it should be for someone at normal speed. You know what I mean? It should. You know, I I just don't know how it would how it would work. You know what I mean? How he could sit there and 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 the speed element of it is really like when you see how slow people are moving. And then you see things start, or, and then you cut back to the real world, or you know our world, and they're doing things. It's like no, no, no. Months and months would be passing, in, you know, in the in the in that sped up world. Months and months and months. Right. When you see right. these like, you know, three minute scenes play out on the bridge, it's like no, no. That's like six months going by, and you know. Right. I mean, technically, everybody should have just been move, you know, moving real slow. But man, that would have been hard to pull off. See, I've thought of that ever since I was a kid. That that the timeline doesn't really match right. up. No, it doesn't. I mean, if 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 they're moving so fast that, like, as I said before, if Dila can literally just step out of the way of a beam of light coming at her. Then yeah, you know the scenes of Spock figuring out what's going on with the acceleration. That, like you say, I mean that that would be a fucking eternity well, going by. Here's here's another you know? thing. There should be all kinds of physics things going on with them moving faster than the speed of light. <laughs> mm-hmm. There should be all kinds of like distort time distortion, like really weird time distortions because of that. So. I don't know. Yeah, the, yeah right. the science isn't there, but yeah, when is it ever really completely there, you know? This is true. Well, that that actually lends into one of my last notes here is uh you know, I know Scotty was was one of the older cast members and all that, but I just have to ask the question, how fucking slow does Scotty walk anyway? Cuz if you'll notice, the first time you see him in that shot where he's approaching um engineer or no the uh, transporter room I- i'd swear that that's only like halfway through the episode and when kirk finally returns to real time scotty just then snaps out of that pose that he's in as he's like walking he suddenly is like oh captain kirk i mean so a lot of time goes by in this episode while scotty's like posed in the doorway headed into the transporter room it's like damn dude how slow are you why i mean he must be at a mosey maybe he took a little well you know maybe he took a little (laughs) nap there on his feet those engineers you know they do stuff like that you got to be able to rest wherever they are the last thing i've got on this one is uh i'm sorry i i just i it's an okay episode it's definitely not one of my favorites it's not terrible or anything but it does have a bad bad ending to it i mean Kirk, you know, he, he's he's cured, so he's not accelerated anymore. He's not going to die and everything like she assures him is going to happen. You know, he doesn't have to, you know, be subject to her whims or, or go back and die on Scalos or anything. 
But then they just send the Skolosians back to the planet and fucking abandon them. They don't offer to help them or anything. Yeah, yeah. Because I kept waiting for that. I kept waiting for Kirk to do the, you know, the typical nice Federation-y thing and go, you know, well, here's you know, well the we thing. can help you. Our science and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and, you know, they we'll were, they, the they sure re- they're like, they should reverse Kirk's um, sped up metabolism, <laughs> right? Why they just didn't bother to do theirs? No, they you do, they don't. You know, and, yeah. I mean, unless rude. I missed a line of dialogue somewhere, I think that they cure Kirk, and then it's just like, okay, have a nice life, yeah. and they zip off. You Thanks know? for the quickie. <laughs> See you later. I love it. Typical Kirk. I I love All it. All right, have fun on your planet till your sun explodes, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll see you when you come back to get your revenge on me. God damn it! I'm serious, but you know we joke, but it really it kind of did shock me when I realized the episode was over. I was like, wait a minute, they kind of missed something yeah. here because. That- that always happens in Star Trek. I mean, you can have a planet where, you know, Kirk and Spock, they're flying along in space. They stop at a planet, blah, blah, blah. They get involved in some, you know, some crazy plot. The yeah. bad guys kill like three quarters of the people on the Enterprise. But at the end of the episode, everybody's like, holding oh, it's hands. Interesting and we'll help you out. You know, we'll yeah. send our best people down to help you. And, you know, we understand why you had to kill three quarters of our people. And, you know, it's okay. We're going to help you out. Never happens in this episode. They're like, okay, well, we got our captain back. Fuck y'all. And they take yep. off. <laughs> Thank you very much. I love it. It's great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, so by that standard, I should actually love this episode because a while back I said that there should be more episodes like that. Where, where I mean, what's there not to love? Kirk gets, Kirk gets laid. It has a it has a a gimmick of you know everybody's standing still, it's just right. it's just full of all sorts of fu- fun stuff you know there's all sorts of, you know goofy goofy interesting stuff happening you know, uh, it's yeah it's not bad it, and the more we talk about it the more I actually realize what, I, I like it more than I, the, than I thought like did. the shot of his drink you know his his water <laughs> wiggling just before he yeah, yeah that that always freaked me out as a kid i always always lo- love to see that you know i mean it's just got a lot of a lot of fun elements in it and then there's the whole there was the whole you know sexual angle of it that i didn't pick up you know with the with the <laughs> sterile you know the sterile guy getting humiliated and and humiliated yeah, and with his with his woman with his woman humping up on Kirk right in front of him I like <laughs> this one <laughs> <laughs> not like you limpy get back to work <laughs> go fetch go fetch me some condoms and some scented towels limpy <laughs> I will be amusing myself with with this Kirk creature but no, I mean, I had said a while back that uh, that I really felt like there needed to be some episodes because I, I didn't remember there being any episodes remotely like this one. You know, I, I wanted to see some episodes where I didn't care if it was Kirk, Picard, any, you know, Janeway, anybody. I just wanted to see there be at least one episode where 
they kind of broke the mold and said, you know what? Nope. I'm, I'm putting an end to this shit right now. I'm not going to deal with your bullshit. And, and that's kind of, you know, it, granted it comes at the very end of the episode, but that's kind of what happens. Yep. Kirk offers these people nothing and just, okay, mission's done. We're, we're leaving now. I love it. I, th- I think it's awesome. These yep. people are going to speed themselves to a nice quick death yep. and that'll be the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as a matter of fact, we can come back next week and they'll have died of old age. Right. We don't have to wait that long. <laughs> we can take a spin. Let's just take a spin around their solar system and come back and just fuck with them when they're like 90 years old and go, oh, we've got a cure. Oh, sorry. Uh, I don't think your own bodies could handle it. Well, see ya. See you around. Oh, wait. No, we won't. Can we have your planet when you're dead? <laughs> <laughs> when you're dead and gone oh man well I, that's all I got Kirk, on this one Kirk checks her out he's just like man you've gone to hell in the last week or so <laughs> baby you got real <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> alright on that note let's uh, let's take a little break and come back with some comic bookies did I just say comic bookies alright somebody's <laughs> shooting in the head but a small portion of infinite and unmeasurable time is allotted to each of us it is so quickly swallowed up by eternity and how small is the clod of earth on which we crawl about money has never made anyone rich any more than salt water will cure a man's thirst. A poor man is not one who has little, but one who desires much. If you can just remember that no human condition is ever permanent, then you will not be too overjoyed in good fortune, nor too sorrowful in misfortune. Nothing dries faster than a tear, and one joy dispels a hundred cares. While it may be impossible to win every contest, great satisfaction can be had from knowing that your cause was fair and just. Hide not your talents, nor your God-given intelligence, for they were created to be used What good is a sundial that sits in the shade? Hostility and distrust reduce men to children, fighting for control of each other's half of the playpen. How sad. When with mutual respect, they could explore and enjoy together the many rooms in the mansion of their lives. Your love and your friendship should not be sealed up until your friends have gone. Fill their lives with kindness. Speak cheering words while their ears can hear them and while their hearts can be filled and made happier by them. Remember all these things and consider nothing great but this. Nature bids you accept what life brings and live it. Fully. 
Welcome back to Star Trek Monthly Monday number 28. And now we're going to take a look at some DC Comics Star Trek issues. And uh, kicking us off, here's Chris Honeywell. Hello! <laughs> Hello! We're going to do DC Star Trek number 21. Sweet. Ah, uh, yes. It's reached the drinking age. Oh, uh, you okay, need a is... big stiff drink for this issue, too, I do believe. <laughs> I think the writers took a few big <laughs> stiff drinks before this one. So this is a December 1985 issue, 75 cents, three thin quarters. Uh, we've got a Sutton and Villagran cover and Sutton and Villagran art on the inside. And Now, I don't think this guy was has been writing before Bob Rosakis. Is this his first? Um, I believe issue, this, I think? I'm pretty sure it is. Now, you know who that is, right? No. He was the Answer Man. Oh. You remember the Answer Man? Ask the Answer Man used to be in the back of all the DC comics back when we were weak tights. Yes. It was like, you know, maybe he you know, how much weight there. could Superman lift with his tongue and stuff like that? And he would always try to answer the questions. I used to love that guy's columns. Yeah. yeah. He, he does better at that than uh, writing Star Trek stories. That's Sadly, sure. this is true. And this one is called Dream World. It's... Star That's Trek your first Dream red World. Flag right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess in the tradition of the last few issues, this one might be a, a Spock story or something, you know. Or but uh, Spock and the crew of the Surak are investigating the planet Proto, which is one of the laziest names for a planet I've ever heard. A seemingly habitable planet that's too far away from its sun to support life, which seems kind of weird. So Spock's suspicious, so he wants to lead an away team, but uh, he has them all put on spacesuits because something's fishy. So uh, um, the team that he picks are Spock, Mr. Brinks, who is actually a black woman who hates Spock's guts and actually refers (laughs) to him as a half-breed and thinks he's a condescending prick. And... uh, and Dr. Chu saw a goonie bird-looking humanoid. <laughs> so uh, when they beam down, Spock finds himself in a cheesy Freudian dream within a dream within a dream within a dream state. Where oh, I am so glad that you used the term Freudian because I'm sorry. That I use the term pseudo-Freudian. Pseudo-Freudian. Well, all right. That cave entrance <laughs> on page four, um, that's just wrong. Little, little, little vagina dentata yes. going on there. Very much so. Okay, so in the, in his dreams, we see vagina dentata, all of Spock's buddies doing little things, uh, aquatic subways inside the the said vagina dentata cave, Spock's mommy, flying carpets, Gladiator Kirk, which is a little sketchy. <laughs> this is probably some fan fiction about that, and weird Philadelphia experiment <laughs> styled embedded bodies. Do you like and, uh, Do you like Gladiator Dreams, Spocky? Exactly. <laughs> so uh, when Spock realizes the logic of all this, he wakes himself up. And uh, apparently something happened when they beamed down and all three went into a dreamland sort of coma. And uh, Spock is the first one to break himself out of it. So um, he has to mind meld with the others to wake them up. And uh, Dr. Tweedy has been... Uh, <laughs> Gone into dreamland and is flying. I can fly just like my ancestors. And, and Spock has to has to 
talk him out of that. And then he goes to Mr. Brink's dream, and she's being attacked by this giant globby monster who looks like Mr. Spock. Coincident, coincidentally, and uh, hilarity ensues, and he gets her, uh, gets her out of there, and Planet Proto's declared off-limits in the future, and Kirk, or Kirk, Spock decides to have a, uh, have a little conversation with Mr. Brinks after all this about, you know, um, her subconscious feelings about Mr. Spock. And that's about this issue, and that's almost all I have to say about it. It's just cheesy. I um, immediately just, and I wish I could scream it, but my entire household is uh, asleep at this time, so I have to kind of try to keep my voice down. So I'll just kind of, in a lower tone of voice, I will say, shenanigans, fucking shenanigans. And I have proof. I have proof that this story is horseshit and it doesn't work. Because (laughs) when, when, when Spock wakes himself up, I didn't believe it. I still no, neither did I. Because I was like, I was saying, I was saying, this is this is just a red herring. Right. And at the end, we're gonna find out that he's still because they were just pulling that dream within a dream within a dream within a dream. Well, here is the biggest reason I didn't believe it all the way up until the last page, where I just scratched my head and said, "What the fuck?" Eh? Because on page eleven, all right, first panel, they wake Spock up. Spock stands up out of his bed, right? So you've got Uh Spock and you've got all the doctors and everybody gathered around his bedside. And then you've got Mr. Brinks and you've got the bird dude. Two, no, excuse me, three panels later, you've got the bird dude is now closest to the bed that Spock was in. And then Mr. Brinks, they switched positions. Now, if that's not a dream, dream. exactly, exactly. it's just crappy art. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, yeah, that's crappy, uh. I don't want to keep beating this dead horse about the art, but this is going to keep coming up. From here on out, I mean, the art really just seems to get worse every issue. It's really not good in this issue at all, and it's even worse next issue, I think. It seems like it just gets more and more hurried. It seems as time goes on, it's getting hurried. Like maybe they were having some deadline or maybe, you know, they were were drawing too many books or something. Something Mm -hmm. was going on because it – it definitely seems to, to be rushed. I agree. Spock must have a tapeworm going on in this because he, I, I'm serious, he gets skinnier through the issue. I mean, look at him on, on page 10 where he wakes up. I mean, he's practically anorexic right there on that panel. I mean, Leonard Nimoy by this point, he had some beef on him you know he wasn't he wasn't star trek six spock yet but he was well on his way (laughs) you know what i mean you know there's like page 18 where he's battling the the hand monster or whatever you want to call it i mean he's like scrawny right there (laughs) it's just i don't know i mean granted he is in the dream well no he wasn't in the dream world in that part where he wakes up i don't know it's uh, let's see. I had yeah. a couple other things here. Um, actually, page 12, last panel, that close-up of Spock's face, I thought, actually looked pretty good. You know, what we usually do is we... we, we well, never mind. I was going <laughs> to make a reference about the art. I actually like that that piece of art right there. I guess, in fairness, I think I should try to point out when I do like the art because more than anything, I, I dislike the art through these issues. So, 
I'll try to make a point of pointing it out when I actually think the art works pretty good. I meant to look up. I forget what part of the story it said something about. Uh, oh, I know what it was. On page uh, 17, there's the part where the, the nurse tells the doctor that they, they're losing uh, Brinks. Like her, her heartbeat and respiration are, are way up and she's like in danger of having a heart attack and all this. And then the doctor calls for uh, 10 cc's of cordrazine. I meant to look this up because I'm curious exactly what cordrazine is. a stimulant if it, it was an INE. Yeah, I thought it was a stimulant. That's, that's exactly why I meant to look it up. I, I just forgot to do it. But I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I'm sure they didn't expect people to catch that sort of thing, but <laughs> they underestimated me. I'm pretty sure that if you give her a stimulant when she's on the verge of a heart attack, you're pretty much going to kill her, right? Unless she's one of those people with the those weird there's some people with an opposite metabolism that were, that like caffeine will make them fall asleep. So maybe she's one of those. I doubt it very I doubt. Yeah. I doubt when the writer when the answer man was writing this he wrote, you know, <laughs> their 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 character background so in depth. And if he did, he was really wasting a lot of time to do that for this story. Her character especially because she just uh, 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 we've gone through this before in this this run, right? Of of this is this is Gene Roddenberry's future. You, you, to have a Starfleet officer who's reached her position, referring to Mister Spock as a half breed in front of other people, you know, obviously like being prejudiced against Mister Spock and Starfleet. And then just getting a little reprimand from one of, you know, her superiors saying, hey, look, you know, you shouldn't judge people. You know, I I don't think that would I don't think she would have gotten to her position. I, I think maybe in that future world, there are people like that. Well, yeah, the, but it just it just terror, seemed, there was that guy who was who was prejudiced against Spock there. And at the end of it, he kind of sees the error of his ways and all that sort of thing. But yeah, I. I'm trying to figure out what Remember, there was a whole thing with Konam when he first was on, you know, there was right. the whole like thing. And we, I remember and, and, and really like the Klingons, if there's going to be any kind of racial tensions in Starfleet, it would be with Klingons. And we, and that didn't ring totally true. You know, right. Spock is famous at this point, you know, and, and I noticed Spock isn't even being as much of a dick as Spock can be when he's all logical right. to his crew. He was being, you know, he's he you could tell he was sort of acting with some of the stuff he's learned from Kirk and you know, all all his years on the Enterprise, you know, using them as captain of this ship. And I was like, he isn't being a, the usual condescending jerk that he could be, you know, and she's just, you know, fuck him. Oh, oh <laughs> I just oh, I hate him. I mean, I, I just I got him. to the end of this issue and I, I literally was like, That's it. I was yeah. just like, what what the fuck? It's just I I don't get it. I don't what's the moral of the story here? You know, is it, you know, don't be a racist? Is it, you know, not even she doesn't learn she doesn't she doesn't, she doesn't yeah, learn nothing. anything in it. She nothing. just as a matter of fact, you know, it's just basically, you know, it's I guess it's supposed to be a sort of a joke where, you know, Spock's like particularly about where your subconscious gets the source of its monsters. Right. You know, 
that's, but that's it. That's just that's where it, it is. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, was, was Rosakis, was he maybe going for some sort of poetic irony type of thing where she's a black woman with, you know, harboring prejudice in this enlightened age or something? Because if that was, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. It doesn't. Well, come that's off. just, it's, we, this is what we were talking about in the, in the last one too. Like it, it would work in this, the irony of it would work in this day and age. Right, because black women are still like a double. My uh, although you can't, uh, you know, I don't know why people refer to women as a minority because they're fifty percent of the human race. Right, but they've got, you know, in in society they've got two strikes against them, prejudice wise, you know. But in in Star Trek future, you know, she should be no different in anybody else's eyes, you know. Not even like, you know, like in today's society, like in America today. If you put a black woman and a white guy side by side, people have their prejudices, but in their mind they they go, well, you know, they're they're equal. You know, they're they're you know, I, I'm supposed to think of them as equal. In the 23rd century, you shouldn't even have to go through that that right. thought process. It's just right. like, you know, you're 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 colorblind and you're gender blind and you're not even thinking on that level. So for her to be calling him a half breed and to be doing all that, she should be like, you know, I mean, if the equivalent of that today would be like you go on on a Navy on the Navy Enterprise, you know, um, aircraft carrier and she's wearing a, her clan robe, you know, on the, right, on the bridge yeah. and, and going, well, we got to I want to burn a cross up there on the poop deck, you know, and. You know, it would it would call a lot of attention to you know exactly that, and this she just sort of gets a mild you know the 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 you know the her her superior just sort of goes well you might want to rethink that you know that attitude a little bit you know you'll you'll find out that you know there's you know that those prejudices aren't true or whatever whereas it would be you know I would think maybe she might even be looking at a court martial or a severe reprimand right. or like get your ass down to the brig you can't talk like that on the bridge about the captain even if he's not here you know well, well using kind of part of your your analogy you know there's also the consideration that okay what if what if she wasn't serving on the the USS Enterprise she was serving on you know the the USS uh uh Oh, well, she's not. She's on the, the what? What call it? The Surak. Well, that was the point I was going to make. Is I mean, how the fuck can you be racist against Vulcans and you're serving on the ship named for the fucking king of Vulcans? How does that shit work? You know, that would be like you having a problem serving on the uh, uh, Nathan Bedford Forest or whatever the hell. What was that dude's name that formed the clan? Wasn't that his name? Oh, you, I don't you know. know. Who you know who I'm talking about? I know who about? you're talking the about. Civil War, you know? Yeah, yeah. It'd be like serving on a ship named for him, but then, you know, you, you have a problem with Confederates. Or, I don't know. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah, it's, it just, it's, it's weird, really yeah. silly, you know? Because this I, isn't I, the I, Enterprise. You see, I don't think it's, I don't think it's really that she has anything against Vulcans. I think she has some weird complex where she doesn't like the way he talks to her. She thinks right, he's yeah. uh, too, too, you know, too smart yeah. or too good or whatever, but... That's In just that's just right there, stupid. That and, part of, no, that part of her argument I could actually see because I think we've brought this point up before that in reality we would make a shitty captain. We wouldn't want to serve under Spock either because we have seen him be a real dick to yeah. people under. He, he can be very condescending. I think if I had to work with Spock, 
I'd, I'd hate his guts. I really do. Because I, I can see, like, you know, Spock and I working together at Best Buy or something. And him just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> picturing that. Spock and Scott at Best Buy. <laughs> him just being one of those, just, you know, by the by the button, you know, by the, the bullet yes. points. You know, very officious. Never cracks his... Never jokes around with the other guys. He's just, you know, big fish in a small pond kind of asshole, you know? Middle management has to micro fucking manage everybody, you know. Nobody's ever good enough because they're just not logical and Vulcany enough for him. And I, I could see people that work under him just hating his fucking guy. See, I would, I, 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 it's, it's the guys like Spock that I like because I, I've worked with people like that. And right. Then I just That's get, what I'm saying. And but, but I like people like that because you can look at them and go, this guy's a Spock. <laughs> All you have to do is approach things from, you know, a logical by the book and he's fine. He's looking for one, two, three. What I hate are the management types who think that they're your friend and that they think they're a people person and do stuff like the guy who when I had my, you know, job as a busboy in a restaurant and I was like, you know, 25 years old. And, you know, with an I, you know, I felt like Lex Luthor, you know, with that I, you know, with Otis, with it, you know, <laughs> with this manager, you know, and my with an IQ of about 80 going. So, Chris, what did you go to school for? And I said, ah, film. And he's like, OK, well, let's think of the salad bar as your film shoot. Right. Exactly. Now You want all the light. And it's just like, oh, you fucking asshole. That's a guy I want to take out back and fucking. Like hit him over the head with a shovel, and when he wakes up, make him dig his own grave. See, you know? I I'm at my age now where I don't tolerate people like that anymore. I don't weather people like that all you know well at all anymore. That's cause... why I won't go out and get a job, man. Because yeah, <laughs> right. I don't want to deal with having to yeah. Because I I don't either. Yeah, I yeah I don't I don't I need to be my own I've boss never... as much as possible. Yeah, I mean I've never really been good with with condescending people but yeah when they're when they're talking down to you like that and they're clearly you know factors of intelligence lower than you are and it's just like you know come on it's yeah yeah i know exactly what you're the, getting. the first when people start doing that to me the first thing i start doing is saying in my head I'm going to make you cry. Right. <laughs> I'm going to make your ass break down and cry in a little while because I'm going to fucking sit you down like Hannibal Lecter and make you eat your own face with a knife and fork. <laughs> you, mother, you motherfucker. Anyway. Well, the last thing I've got on this one is uh, inside back cover. I love this ad. If you look down the page here. You've got, uh, I don't. I don't have. I don't have the oh, paper version. You've got to find this image somewhere, Chris, because on the inside back cover, we've got an ad page here, and one of them is called "The Young Astronauts," and it's a little blonde-haired, blue-eyed space boy and his robots, and they are both doing the Sieg Heil. And I've renamed this Hitler Youth in Space. Oh God, what is it with space Hitler these days? I'm telling you, Space Hitler, man, it's all it's about the new space thing. Hitler. It is the new thing. It's going to catch on. It's going to be a phenomenon. Yeah, it's well, gonna... we got to get out in space first. 
Although I did just read that NASA just launched a secret spaceship. But not that secret. It's a spaceship, but it's doing all sorts of secret stuff. So you don't know what it's doing. But they just launched some sort of new orbiting spaceship design thing that's going to be up there for six months. Hmm. I never heard of it. I just read it. It happened. I'm like, really? There's been a space thing going on, and I didn't even hear about it? Weird. We need to do a show on Serpo sometime. And, and rather than derail us, I'm just going to throw it out there, and we need to move on to the next issue. But yes. Speaking of secret space stuff, we definitely need to do a show on Serpo sometime. Anyway. Serpo. <laughs> I like saying Serpo. 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 All right. I say we move on to the next. Yes, please. We need to cleanse the palate from this one because, uh, wow. You know, I really didn't think that they could get much worse than um, than the uh, Sulu one last time around. But, wow, that's no, fucking, that was no, a stinker. I don't think it was as bad as the Sulu one. I mean, the Sulu one. Really? Tick, t- yeah, it has a special place in my heart because <laughs> Sulu actually threw chopsticks at a guy trying to stop him, <laughs> and then got into a transport or into a transformer and beat him up. But see, that yes. one's inadvertently good because it's it's good. It's so bad you can make fun of it and have a good time. <laughs> that's doing good it racism. Where, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, good. that's a t-shirt right there. That is that's some mm, good racism. That's but good it's good racism. That's good racism. But you know what? Like all good Japanese racism. Racism, you're just hungry for more racism an hour later. It's the MSG. So that one will always have a special place because I was really literally reading it going, really? He's going to throw chop. He's throwing his chopsticks at the guy. At least have them be space laser chopsticks or something like that. God damn it. Space laser chopsticks. Like little lightsaber chopsticks or something. Oh, somebody needs to invent that. Yeah, except they vaporize your food when you try to pick it up. <laughs> well, you know, we, we have now seen in, in Star Wars, we've seen lightsabers, light whips, light bows and arrows, which I thought was a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. Light chopsticks is actually... Light shields. I'm, yeah, yep. I'm good with that. We could we could see that. I, I'm, uh-huh. I'd be down for that. Maybe that, you know, like a light toothbrush, you know. <laughs> As you brush your teeth. Hey, did you know that the toothbrush was invented in Alabama? Well, no, because if it was invented anywhere else, they would have called the it teeth a toothbrush. Anyway, I, yeah, I know all those <coughs> redneck jokes, man. I live up north. <laughs> that's this where that's where they all originate. We write all those jokes, man. Yeah, we and ship them jokes. down to you guys. <laughs> well, we ship that's we the ship teeth, the ones the, we ship the easier ones to understand down to you guys. <laughs> the, the the longer, more involved ones we keep up here, you know. <laughs> all right. Anyway, right yes. <laughs> now we're gonna we're gonna turn that frown upside down with uh, with the next two issues. At least I I think we are because I I enjoyed these. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Star Trek number twenty two, the January nineteen eighty six issue, cover by Tom Sitton. Sutton? Did I say Sitton? Sutton. Sitton. I mean Sitton Sutton. That's his name. You know, see if this was a Marvel comic, then Stan would have put something in the middle, so it'd be Tom Sitton Sutton. So anyway, yeah. it's depicting. Um, this weird uh she actually looks like dracula's daughter to me on the cover here and she's yes got big curly finger what was her name something Lisa. Elizabeth. there's oh damn it and i can't lilith that was it lilith, lilith. like she's uh, gonna grab the inner the uh, excelsior with her big pointy fingernail things you've got kirk i guess that's supposed to be Chekhov. 
Uh, it looks like Chekhov. It's definitely not. More like Storm of the X-Men and um, <laughs> McCoy poised at the bottom. They actually don't look too awful bad, but I don't know. It's just I, it's not my favorite cover. But anyway, it's an interesting cover. It says Kirk's crew is possessed by the spirit of Jack the Ripper. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> story is entitled Wolf on the Prowl. Tony Isabella, writer. Tom Sutton and Ricardo Villagran artists. I know I'm not going to pronounce this name right. It's A, the letter A, Mass Leahy, letter M. Wolfman, who is actually Michelle Wolfman, colorist, Robert Greenberger, editor. Original cover price, three quarters of a dollar. So here we go. I apologize. This is kind of a lengthy synopsis, but here we go. The USS Excelsior, under the command of one James Tiberius Kirk, returns after 15 years to Argelian space, where the classic TOS episode Wolf in the Fold, written by uh, Robert Block of uh, Psycho fame, by the way, uh, took place. We are treated to scenes of Kirk receiving orders uh, from Admiral Turner to investigate the planet Enoch 4, where the inhabitants worship the god of evil. Interspersed with these scenes are also scenes of Ensign Gillespie uh, getting knifed to death below decks. Turner is dispatching uh, Kirk to Enoch 4 because his image, I knew you'd like that, because his image is turned up and, on... And once more, the computer hasn't told them there's an intruder yet. Right. They have not asked. Turner is dispatching Kirk to Enoch for because Kirk's image has turned up on some ancient tapestries located in the temple of the Enochian god, and Starfleet is pretty pissed off about it because they think Kirk has been, uh, I don't know, doing some sort of time travel fiddlefuckery or something. I really don't. I didn't get that. Yeah, breaking the prime directive. Yeah. I I don't know where they get that idea. (laughs) So Kirk protests, saying he's never even met these assholes before. But Turner is having none of it, so it's off to Enoch for the Excelsior crew. Meanwhile, Bryce is still trying to get her some Klingon lovin', but uh, having picked the pussiest representative of that fine race to do the job, namely Konam, things still haven't apparently progressed past the uh, hand-holding phase yet. So they're strolling along the lower decks when they stumble across poor dead Gillespie. In a move that made me love this issue, Tony Isabella imbues our heroes with enough smarts to immediately put two and two together and everybody realizes that Jack the Ripper is back. There's no fucking around for half the issue before they figure it out and I love that. Yep. So we're treated to a brief recap of the classic episode Wolf in the Fold which by the way Two True Freaks covered way back in episode number 45 Star Trek Monthly Monday number 6. If you haven't listened to it check it out. It's awesome like all our episodes are. So then Savick drops a bomb on the crew and the reader by revealing that the message from Starfleet was a big fat fake. In what I feel is this story's sole misstep, it is revealed that Regic himself sent the message to get Kirk to go to Enoch. I just don't get it. That seems kind of, I don't know. Anyway, for reasons that seem especially sketchy, at least to, to me anyway, Kirk, knowing that the trap is a trap, decides to spring it. Now, I didn't like that sort of logic in Star Wars Episode 3, and I don't really care for it here. But anyway... It's the- funny. I thought the same thing, except <laughs> I do like that. I, I, I do like the logic of, of springing a trap that you know is a trap and having the advantage that way. I, I guess. 
I mean, you know, because Scotty makes some reference about, you know, it, it, it's better to try to, what does he say, den the lion rather than wait for the lion to come eat you or something like that. But I don't, I just don't know that that logic flow or follows, you know, but I, I guess. I, I guess if they have to deal with this problem, eventually it's better to deal with it on your own terms, I, I, I think was the point. But I don't know. I just don't know that I buy it. But anyhow. Uh, the meeting wraps up with a revelation that more stiffs have turned up in hydroponics. And amongst the carnage, Konam is found badly injured. Also, a tape on which is an audio recording of Regic taunting the key officers in the crew. Kirk's, uh, Kirk orders everyone back to their posts, and as he leaves, Mr. Richardson, a prominent new security chief uh, that I think was introduced in this story, asks how Kirk can be so cool after seeing all these dead crewmen. And Chekhov steals the best moment of this entire issue, I think, by dressing Richardson down and explaining that each crew member can only die once, but Kirk can die over 600 times, meaning that he feels that, uh, or meaning that Kirk feels rather each death that personally. I think that's an excellent moment yeah. in this issue. I really liked that part. Well, there's a part where Kirk goes, you know, I know the name of every single person that's died under my command. You right. know, I know every, I know all about everybody who's ever died under me. Absolutely. And, and I, and I carry it around with me forever. And I thought that was a nice moment in it. Well, while that scene's going on with Chekhov, we see Kirk go down and he visits the morgue and he actually speaks aloud the names of each of the fallen crewmen. Again, another scene that I really liked that I thought was very powerful. So the Enterprise, excuse me, the Excelsior rather, I keep wanting to say Enterprise, the Excelsior arrives at Enoch and the landing party consisting of Kirk, Savick, McCoy, Richardson, Chekhov, and Bryce beams down where they find the inhabitants are scared stupid of them because they are quote unquote good, meaning that Kirk and his people are good. It's kind of silly. Meanwhile, Bearclaw, who we it, it, It's Bizarro World. <laughs> Bear, Bearclaw, whom we haven't seen in a while, finds the uh, med staff all murdered in sickbay. A moan from another room draws his attention, and as he investigates, he finds Konam. Assuming the Klingon has shown his true colors at last and murdered everybody, and I guess Bearclaw forgot that this is the pussified Klingon here, uh, he holds the alien at phaser point, and Konam, in an already severely weakened state, simply collapses. Uh, down on the planet, Kirk and crew make for the Enochian god's temple, and uh, Konam, back up on the ship, convinces Bearclaw that he didn't kill anyone, Regic did. And uh, he has seen the face of the enemy. Kirk and crew hear a blood-curdling scream down on the planet, turn in horror to see Chekhov has been viciously stabbed in the back as, back up on the ship, Conom reveals that Regic is in the body of Nancy Bryce. To be continued. So what'd you think of this one? Once again, Chekhov gets it. <laughs> I know, poor Chekhov. Very well written, though. I mean, <laughs> it, this, this issue, this is really weird on a comic, does a really good job of communicating sound. Yes. It's got Chekhov's, you know trademark copyright scream in it and um and kirk actually you know the 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 writing of red jack and the way red jack talks is perfect yes it, it, you can hear his voice and kirk actually says oh he's talking in hengist's voice just so i know you know 
just so he knows, so he'll let me know that it's him, you know. So he's using Hengist's voice. So you can hear it in your head, you know. If you're familiar with that episode, you can hear it. And every line that Red Jack has is, you know, right out of Wolf in the Fold, you know. You can hear that that goofy Winnie the Pooh voice (laughs) saying it. Piglet. Piglet. He he was the voice of Piglet. Boogables. Oh, dear. Oh, dearie, dear. You cannot stop me now, Captain. It'll do you no good. I control all circuits. No, 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 no. You cannot reach me. Your manual overrides are extremely limited in life. Soon all control will be restored to me. There is nothing you can do to prevent it. What if it can see and hear me? Yeah, and you, you can. You can hear. You can hear it. You know. And, yeah, absolutely. And it's great. And it's actually. And he's actually saying some pretty. This is some pretty horrific things. When they go find the the medical crew dead, they're just like bodies stacked up. You know. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, so I I think this is this is a, a probably one of the best written issues so far because. Robert Block ain't no slot. Although the la- I think it was the last episode of regular Star Trek we did was written by Robert Block and wasn't the the hottest issue. But he's a, which, he's which a, one was that? Oh, what was the one we did last time? Oh, was, uh, what are little girls? I think you're right. I think of. you're right. Yeah, I think that was uh, Robert Block. Now that you say that, yeah, I think and, you're absolutely right. And uh, this 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 holds up. I I actually did like the the aspect of Red Jack faking the message from Starfleet because it didn't ring true to me when when it was happening. I was like, really, this whole this whole scenario, there's something wrong with it. You know, there's something wrong about the way they're reacting to it and the way that Starfleet's acting. And when it was like, oh, it was just something. It was just a lure to get Kirk in there. Um, I thought that worked just fine. I it, it, it all of a sudden it made. The stuff not making sense was actually something that was written in there, so I'm 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 really impressed with the with the writing in in this issue, and I think the art is actually a, a bit better too. Even though it's the same art team, there seems to be a little more uh, life in this one. Hey, check this out. I'm looking at uh, Memory Alpha right now because uh, I wanted to look that actor. I can never remember this guy's name, and. Uh, <laughs> If he should happen to listen to this, I hope it doesn't piss him off. I actually work with a fella now that looks a hell of a lot like this guy, John Fiedler. I, I think, think he just died recently. Yeah, back uh, June twenty uh, fifth, two thousand five. It said he died at the age of eighty. Yeah. He uh, says what was best, rem- uh, perhaps best remembered for his later role as Mister Peterson on the CBS comedy series The Bob Newhart Show and especially for giving voice to the beloved character of Piglet in Disney's animated Winnie the Pooh films and television programs. Despite these roles, and despite having appeared opposite such legendary performers as John Wayne, Henry Fonda, Rock Hudson, Burt Reynolds, and Doris Day, Fiedler said in a 1985 appearance on NBC's Today Show, one of my favorite parts was in an episode of Star Trek where I played Jack the Ripper. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, he was great in that part too. He it was yeah. it was awesome. And he got to play 
an unusual role for him. You know, he's got that he's got that 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 feminine sort of soft voice. You know, he yeah he doesn't probably get to play serial killers too often. Well, one of the characters in this story remarked that um, Regic was continuing to speak in Hengus's voice, meaning that he had John Fiedler's voice. I like that yeah. because oh, that's yeah. the voice I hear in my head, right? You know, when reading the issues. So it was cool to have that affirmed within the you know the confines of the story that the voice I was hearing in my head was was correct. You know what I mean? So I thought that was really that was really cool. Um. I just wanted to reiterate my point from earlier. I love that the story wastes no time whatsoever establishing that Regic is back and everybody gets it. That That's great. I, I love that because typically... That's how it would be in reality, really. Yeah, but that's not typical Star Trek. Typically in Star Trek... You know, we They'd the have viewer to are it out all miles... Over yeah, we're so far ahead of them usually in figuring... You know, it's like... You know, it, it's the don't go down into the dark basement syndrome. We're sitting there screaming at the protagonist while they're doing something stupid and wasting time. And we don't have to do that this time around. They they understand right off the bat, gee, we're in Argelian space. We're dealing with stabbing deaths. Oh, yeah, it's got to be Jack. Th- and, you know, there's uh-huh. I love that. It's just awesome. I, it re- that that was one of the things that started to win me over right off the bat because I have to be honest, I almost feel like I owe somebody an apology because I was not looking forward to rereading this two-part story because I remembered this being horrible. I don't know why. I couldn't tell you why, but I really remembered hating this story. And uh, it's so weird because, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil ahead to the next issue, but overall, you know, just going with this issue alone, I got to the end of this. And I was like, oh, I'm dying to see how this wraps up because I uh-huh. really I got sucked right into it. I thought yeah. it was really, really good. I mean, the only down point for me, other than a couple minor quibbles with the story, was the art's just terrible. I just really, really? don't I like it was the a art. Step up. The, the one thing I didn't like is the phasers look like a fucking TV remote control with a handle on the bottom of it. <laughs> right. But now, otherwise, Kurt, Kurt's otherwise, face. I think I'm sorry. Go ahead. A little step up, I thought. Kurt's face typically looks good. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. But there were... uh, Page 6 seemed to have a lot of... uh, That's where the majority of my notes seem to be on page 6. You've got... um, All right, for one thing, TOS Scotty didn't have a mustache, yet he's drawn with one on that second panel of the recap there on page 6. At least it looks like a mustache to me. He, oh, it's, it's a just, mustache. If yeah. it's not a mustache, something fucked up's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next panel beneath that. Sanchez or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's disgusting. The third panel, nobody in that panel looks right. Not no. one of those people <laughs> looks accurate at all. Not remotely. Um, let's see. The next to the last panel... Jar- Jarus's wife is making this like yeah face. <laughs> yeah, it looks like somebody just Fish dropped a like like dumped some vinegar in her mouth or something. Yeah, and her <laughs> eyes like he- weird. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't know it's, what's it's, up with her ear too. She has some weird like gill slit, like a fish cauliflower or ear. She was a boxer. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. But and you okay, know, you're so, you know, we're sort of stuck with this this art team. So this is what it's going to be. Like. I I always I always think of this art team as like rough sketches by Gil. It, like you got like Gil Kane did the art, but he just did rough sketches. 
That's what I, I think of when I see this. And I'm trying this, not this to art. be too harsh about it, but okay, look at the last panel on page six, last panel on page seven, and tell me that they didn't just have the Enterprise as, you know, the movie Enterprise, uh-huh. yet they, they very lazily switched out the nacelles for the classic nacelles. That's all they did. The 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 two enterprises, the the TV one and the movie one, are very different enterprises. Mm-hmm. They look different. They have a different design, all that sort of thing. But in this, you've got I, I swear to God, both of them are exactly the same. You've got the movie Enterprise with the TV show nacelles, and it just looks ridiculous. You know, if if you know what you're looking at, and yes. I, yeah, I, I resented that. It was like, come on, that's just laziness. Lazy, right? yeah. Um. I noticed Richardson was miscolored as a white guy on page 11. Whoops. Um, the checkoff sequence, page 12, those first couple of panels. I really like that. I like checkoff. You know, it's easy to forget that he's head of security during this period. And he jumps Richardson's shit. I really like it. You know, and he tells him that, you know, you're completely wrong about Kirk, you know. and And this is one of those things... I like this because this adds some validity to to one of my favorite scenes from Star Trek The Motion Picture where the uh, the two people are lost when they're beaming up to the ship. One of those two people was Kirk's ex-wife, you know? Yet it yeah. seems on the surface of it that Kirk has no, you know, like it doesn't really affect him. I think if you watch Kirk's reaction when he wanders out in the hall, it looks to me like he's very affected but he's putting on the stolid captain face. He's in captain know? mode, so he's yeah. yeah, but he's staggered by it for sure. Yeah. And I think that this is a beautiful callback to that kind of Kirk. You know, where he you know, it's almost like that line in Predator, you know, where the guy gets winged and the guy says, Hey man, you're bleeding. He goes, I haven't got time to bleed. That's kind of like Kirk. You know, I haven't got time to grieve. You know, I, I have to be the captain right now. I'll grieve later. I like that. That's one of the things I like best about Kirk is that he's forced sometimes to, to do some harsh prioritizing. And that's, that's a sign of a good leader. That's, a good that's cap- what leaders and captains have to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was watching something the other day. It was talking about, uh, Lincoln, you know, during the, the, the heart and some of the most dire times of the civil war lost a child, you know, a very young child. He didn't have time for it. You know, I mean, how harsh is that? But, yeah. that's, you know, that's the sign of a great leader and a great man who's trying to, you know, hold shit together. And I, I put Kirk in that same category. You know, granted, he's a fictional character, but, you, you know, you see what I'm getting at. Um, okay. You, sir, I have to give you some shit. Uh-oh. I don't know if you'll remember this, but last episode that we recorded, last episode that the, the listeners will have heard as well, Star Wars Monthly Monday... You had made a reference, and I, I, I agreed with you completely. I saw exactly where you were going. But like in Where Little Girls Are Made Of, or yeah, What Are Little Girls Made Of, you've got Ruck killing off the, the crew members, and like no time is spent whatsoever grieving for these poor bastards. There's like no mention of them later on. You know, nobody ever says, yeah, I'll miss Jonesy and all that. However, here we get an entire page of Kirk going and, you know, memorializing over these these people you know saying their names and you know you can really see that he grieves and he even says we will remember one of them is named new york (laughs) (laughs) i think that's i think that's nigh oh whatever 
I I like to think of him sitting there going, New York. <laughs> Maybe that's where the guy was from. They didn't know his name, but they knew where he was from. It was on his name tag. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes it's like in the army, people name other people after where they're from. <laughs> I do like, actually, I really, really like the shot of the uh, Excelsior coming into orbit on page 14. That That is an actual, that's actually a nice, these guys are good with the ships. I'll say that much. They, they typically make the ships look, you know, the exterior shots. Yeah. Really, really good. And I like that. And, uh. I would say I I still think that the uh, the Excelsior class of ship is still my favorite Star Trek ships. You know, we we've had some truly awesome ones, and I really like the movie style Enterprise. But I don't know. There's something about the Excelsior class that I really really like as well, and they they make it look good. They, uh, that that's one of the reasons I stuck with this period of Star Trek comics as long as I did through some rough issues and some really rough art. Is I do like the look of the ship, and I, I liked Kirk being in command of the Excelsior. I, I could have gone with that if that's the way the movies had gone. Um, that's about it, except uh, I have to point out, I forget what page it's on here. I think it's toward the end of the issue. Damn it, where is it? Do you have ads in what you're looking at? Nope. Uh, there's, an, uh, there's an ad here. Just says, in this crazy world, we all need a friend like... Amazing Man, and it advertises uh, Amazing Man number one, shows the cover of it. This was an awesome time to be collecting DC Comics. There was some good, good shit coming out. And uh, there'll be a couple ads for the in the next issue that I'll point out as well that uh, were, were some stuff that was just like, ah, for me during this time. So, But that's all I got on this issue. What else you got? No, that's about all I got. Cool. Ready for the next one? <clears throat> I'm about ready to finish this story off. All right. And we've got episode issue 23, February of 1986, the year we graduate high school. Oh, yeah, you're right. We're just a few months away from graduation at this point. All of a sudden, two more dimes have to be thrown down because it's 95 cents for this issue. You must be looking at Canadian scans or something. Uh, Yeah, I've got a CBR. (laughs) It says 95 cents on mine. And, uh... We have a beautiful cover by, uh, what is it, uh, Cowan and Jansen. And uh, at first glance, Cowan looked like Colin to me. And I was like, Gene Colin? And you could almost see how this could almost be a Gene Colin cover. Yeah. I think but, that's uh, Dennis Cowan that did. Uh, did you ever read um, The Question? No, I remember. I remember that coming out, though. Damn good series. Really good series. But yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. And, uh, I, yeah, and I, I can definitely see the Klaus Jansen, that's for sure. Yeah. This. And uh, so we've got uh, a different writer on this one, Tony Isabella, from the same, same art team. Um, uh, a. Maglay is the letter. Um, Wolfman is the colorist once again, and Greenberger again is the editor. And this is Wolf at the Door, part two. So, uh,. The the possessed Bryce, we we see her gloating over the the um, collapsed body of Chekhov, um, and then attacks, and uh, so McCoy decides he's gonna, you know, use his old trick on Red Jack and and hit him with the hypo or hit her with the hypo or hit with the hypo or whatever, but uh, 
Red Jack is, is on to him and knocks him out of the way, but Savick does the old tag team thing and gets a shot of sedative in herself. And, uh, and uh, Red Jack is once again sedated, and he leaps out of, uh, out of Bryce's body, and he looks like, uh, when he does, he sort of takes the form of the head of the devil on those cans of uh, deviled ham. <laughs> it's a very, you know, standard devil face. So, so Red Jack attacks again, and this time possessing, you know, all the natives of the planet. And they attack on mass, and the the crew fights them off with their phasers on stun. But apparently, Jack's powers aren't infinite because he he negates their phasers. But sometimes their phasers are working, and so, you know, so he's having trouble you know, possessing all the natives and stopping the phasers. So their phasers are sort of sporadically working and and they're they're fighting off the, the bizarro residents of this planet. And um so uh for some reason they decide we have to go to this giant temple, we'll take the fight to Red Jack and we'll go to his pyramid temple and uh get him and they get inside, uh, but they're quickly surrounded by killer villagers. But at the last second, Scotty beams them up to the Enterprise and uh, tells them that you know, when, when they were down on the planet, they, they took some readings, and Scotty's able to take those readings and sort of rig the ship's shields to be a Red Jack repellent. So Red Jack can't actually get inside of the ship. I think so, that's bat red jack repellent, by the way. Yes, yeah, bat red jack repellent. So <clears throat> up in the ship, um, you know, uh, they, they, they um, you know, they, they know that they can keep him out. But at the same time, you know, red jack's pretty powerful. He can still attack them and cause damage to the ship. So they're not really sure what they're going to do. So red jack starts soaking up all the power of all the people on the planet and you know, uh, Kirk's told, you know, like thousands of people are dying every minute or so as he just sucks their energy to fight the Enterprise. And um, um, so they get they get the bright idea to um, have have Jack um, chase him. And then after they've, you know, taken off a couple fail safe safeguards in the Enterprise's computers, they create a, a wormhole and um, you know, they, they just pull out of the wormhole just ahead of Jack and just barely make it out, but he's trapped inside the wormhole. But for how long? But for how long? And uh, Kirk, having <laughs> saved the day for now, gives Bryce a little pep talk about uh, how she shouldn't feel so bad about um, knife murdering a bunch of her crewmates. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the end. I like I, I like this one because it's sort of the end. They catch him in the wormhole, and Kirk's just sort of like, you know, does the standard like, well, that's that in the wormhole with him. He's done, and everybody's like, I don't know, man. I think he's gonna find his way out of that wormhole. They always do. Don't write him off, you know. You know, you but, you, uh, you made that very touching scene between Kirk and Bryce sound like that old Doritos ad, you know. You, you go ahead and knife him. We'll make more. We'll make you know? more. Yeah, there's there's tons of them in Starfleet. There's a don't you know? There's a waiting list to get in Starfleet Academy. You know, <laughs> knife all you want. We'll, yeah. we'll recruit more. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I think Scott. You know what you were saying about Scotty. I think. See, I'm really struggling to put my mind back. 
God, how long has it been? Well, we're coming up on our 25th reunion, so 25 years. I'm, I'm really struggling to put my mind back 25 years to why I didn't like this story. I, you might have been in a bad mood that day. Yeah, you never know. You, you know? know, you know, I'm 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 seldom in a bad mood, but you know, yeah, I, I, I don't guess know it's how possible. That would happen, but it yeah, happens yeah, sometimes. it's 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 entirely possible, I suppose. I but... was thinking you got pissed off because you had to pay ninety five cents for a comic. <laughs> <meal. laughs> I'm telling you, dude, you must have some Canadian copy or something because it's it's seventy five and it's going to be seventy five for a while. But I, I have seen those those cover scans that show them as as odd prices or what but uh yeah i you know, i think i think it's two things possibly because the the only thing going into this the the sole thing that i remembered and i think this was a big sticking point for me back then was that regic finally comes out and manifests as like a like a weird like Pac-Man ghost. Yeah, de- deviled ham man. He's yeah, just sort of like man, yeah. a mask of a sa- of a stylized Satan face. And and I didn't like that. I, I looked at that and said, no, that that's going too far beyond what they did in the classic show, and that being like a real sticking point for me. Oddly, now it's not at all. I completely buy it because he was back at his base of power where he had an entire planet's fear, you know, yes, and, to draw and the deaths on. of those people to draw on. You know, he he basically murders. I mean, Scotty says at one point, Captain, you know, thousands of people are dying below to feed this thing, you know. And uh, so I, I buy it more now. And I really like this. I thought the, the, the way that Kirk disposed of the creature was very clever. You know, it's very uh, science fiction, you know, Later on, we would see heavy usage of wormholes, you know, especially on DS9. You know, that was how they got back and forth to different quadrants of the galaxy. But at this time, we'd only ever seen one, and that was the one in in the motion picture, you know, that caused all the distortion and all that. So to draw back on that well of, you know, let's create an antimatter imbalance in the engines and create a wormhole and hope that this thing gets trapped, I thought that was brilliant. I really really was impressed with this story i i thought it was great i enjoyed the hell out of it um page five last panel classic kirk fit and i love it because we just don't that's that's one of my my minor beasts with this series is that while i'm not a big fan of the really really hammy shatner like we saw in this episode we reviewed this time wink of the eye that was one of the things i didn't like about the episode was by this point Shatner was almost a, a parody of himself, and I I don't enjoy that particular Shatner, that that particular Captain Kirk. Uh-huh. But I love it when still when he has a classic Kirk fit because I do see that as a facet of Kirk's personality. Is everyone yeah. his temper gets the best of him, and he just has a good old fashioned Kirk fit. And in this one, he does because he, you know, Chekhov's dying, and there's not much McCoy can do. He says he's got to get him back to the ship. So Kirk whips out his communicator and he's calling up to the ship, Kirk to Excelsior, Kirk to Excelsior. And Regic comes over the communicator, which he has possessed, and he says, they can't hear you, Captain. And he's going on saying some other stuff. And Kirk does the classic, God damn it, and smashes yeah. the It reminds that. me of you playing video games back in the day. <laughs> it does, too. It's like, God damn, fucking Mountain King and smashing the controller up against a rock. I love it. I love it. I was it. thinking more like Castlevania, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Oh my god. Um, 
what else we got? Uh, I had a note about Kirk consoling Bryce. We talked about that. I just I I thought that was a nice callback because he does that in a couple of different episodes. There was the one. The hell episode was it? Was it uh? What's the first one with the Romulans? Balance of Terror. I don't, I don't know if it was Balance of Terror or the one where Kirk dresses up as a Romulan. No, the, well, the first one with the Romulans is the one where where they they have that secret weapon and they keep. It's the one with with uh, with uh, Leonard, Mark Leonard, Mark Leonard that would go on to play Sp- Spock's right. father. That was the first Romulan episode. But there was an episode that starts where Kirk's marrying a a young couple, remember? And the the wedding gets interrupted. Right. And then at the end of the episode, he's dead. He got killed in the course of the episode, and he of has course. to console the the would be bride. There's that. I'm sure, kind of he thing. consoled her real good too. <laughs> he took her back to his cons- quarters and consoled her in a real to nice his consoling chamber. Yeah. <laughs> but there's also, uh, I wrote down who mourns for Adonis, where where he he taught he you know, he has that little talk about you know we're the same we're human beings talk with what's her face, but I don't know that that one's really that good of an example. I know there's other instances though where he has to kind of pep somebody up and you know get the you know talk them out of you know making a dis, you know a harsh deci- or a rash decision i mean like this you know like leaving the service or whatever but i'm mm-hmm. i'm drawing a blank on what episode that was mccoy has a great line in this where um you know they're in the midst of this battle you know the the ship's rocking all over the place this demon's about to eat the ship scotty's struggling to keep shit together and McCoy and you know I wonder if that's supposed to be Doctor Mabenga. I'm not sure. It's a it's a um you know his his I don't know if that's a, a nurse or a fellow doctor. It kind of looks like Mabenga, but anyway, the guy says to McCoy, he says, "We're losing him, Doctor." And McCoy is just a great close up on his face, no exclamation point. He, so he's just kind of speaking the line, and he says, "The hell we are." I love that. I thought that was a really good uh, part of the issue. Um. Lastly, I noticed some harsh words, and I thought rightly so, for Dan Spiegel's art in that uh, Walter Koenig Chekhov story that we read a couple issues. I thought the art was horrible in that issue. With you know, with apologies to those that that like Spiegel's art, because we uh, we did get some feedback saying I was being too harsh about Dan Spiegel a while back, but um. I know you don't have ads in your issue, so I'll just throw out a couple quick mentions. There was a uh, beautiful ad in here, and if anybody ever, ever, ever has a chance to come across, I know that there is a promotional poster for this. I'm actually on the hunt for it, so if you could put me on the trail of it, I would be eternally grateful. But there's an ad in here for the uh, 1986 four-issue miniseries Aquaman drawn by uh, Craig Hamilton. Damn good stuff. Chris, you'll remember this one. This is the one where where Aquaman wore that that blue outfit the one time. Remember, it looked like ocean waves or something. Uh-huh. It's excellent, excellent. I loved that miniseries. I haven't read it in years, so I don't remember that much about the details of it. But it was cool. And not long ago, they actually put an action figure out of Aquaman in that outfit, which I thought was cool. I should have picked it up, but I I didn't. And then there was uh, there's an ad in here for. One of my favorite books. This this is probably my favorite book of the year of of '86. It was uh, Booster Gold, 
And there's a, a full page ad in here you know, announcing that the series is coming along. And it's cool because it doesn't use any of the artwork from the first. It's not like the cover of the first issue or anything like that. It's all original art. It just never really, it doesn't really give you an idea what the, um, what the series is going to be about. It just shows like what he looks like. And, you know, you can see he's all about money and everything. And it just says, good guys never had it so good. And it just totally sucked me in. I, I, I saw this and I was like, oh, I like this guy's outfit. I got to check that out. And it turned out to be a series I really, really liked. That's about it. Yeah, that's about all I got. So what did you think? Did you like uh, Did you like this story? I I liked the first part a little better than the second part, but I really, I, I yeah, actually, I think this is my favorite story of, yeah. Um, even even though I, I was a little sketchy on, I'm like, really, they're gonna finish this up with a different writer, you know that that doesn't seem like a good idea, but it works out fine. It's it's a seamless transition. Well, did Isabel and, not write the first? Yeah, he wrote both both parts of this story. Did he? he yeah, he's just not the writer that we've had all along. But he oh, I'm thinking of the the first issue we did of the three here of the oh, different yeah. writer. Okay, yeah. but yeah, I thought um. Yeah, I thought it it was this. The, yeah, it definitely had all the my favorite elements of Star Trek in it. You know, yeah. except really I, it, the only thing it didn't really have in this um, these two was humor. But humor really wouldn't have belonged in this story. This right. is a horror, more of a horrific story. So right, there's there's none of the the humor interplay between the characters. But yeah, I thought it was a great Star Trek story. Um, Usually, usually I'm I take points off for recycling a character or something like that or an element from an old story, but in this case, it's welcome. See, that, I meant to come back to that actually. I think uh, I think before I said there were there were two sticking points for me, and and that was the other one. Even as early as this, just being the the twenty second and twenty third issues of this series. At by this point, I was tired of that. You know, we'd, we'd had Khan back in the second movie. And then by this point, we've already seen how many characters from the old right. show or, or mentions or, or homages right. come along. You know, just in the first, you know, 21 issues is less than, you know, it's less than two years. You know, we'd seen the Excalbians and the Organians and, you know, all these other elements. I, I felt like, you know, enough was enough. You know, let's see all original stuff, you know. But yeah, I, I was I was really surprised what, to get to the end of this and be like, "Wow, why did I hate that?" You know, back in you know back when I was a kid, I mean, because I don't now. I, I think you know, like you said, I, this may be my favorite story we've done so far in this series. I you know, as much as I like the mirror universe stuff, you know, I, I thought this was really no, strong. I think this, I really like this one. I think this one was like definitely the best written so yeah. far. Yeah. The writing was very strong in this. It was, yeah. There really, I, I, there was, you know, one of the things that that makes up Star Trek for me, and uh, I remember uh, there was a documentary I used to really like, where DeForest Kelly said much the same thing. Star Trek is made up of moments, yes. and a lot of them are just short, little, tiny moments between two characters. Well, you that's know, the thing; it's moments between two people, really, is, right. is or or between people. And um, there's a lot of that in this story right here. Just, you know, a, a panel or two, you know, the exchange between Chekhov and Richardson or or McCoy's little, you know, to hell we're going to lose him and stuff. You know, that, those are the those are the little beats that make a great Star Trek well, story for one, me. 
I didn't worked. mention it in the last one, but there was a moment where, you know, um, Scotty sort of says under his breath, to, you know, sort of calls out Kirk for being a hypocrite mm-hmm. un- under his breath. And he does it pretty harshly. And I thought that was really nice, too. Yep. Oh, one thing I didn't like. I don't like that it ends with a Beatles quote. What the hell? Why are they quoting a Ringo song at the end of it? Yeah, uh, you know what? I didn't see. Let me. I gotta. How flip can back you go on? Oh, with a little help from my friend. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> with a little help from my friends. Oh yeah. Do you need anybody, Kirk? I just need someone to love. <laughs> Whatever. For about fifteen minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll go to another planet and find somebody to love. <laughs> well, well, believe I it or say- not. That's it for Star Trek Monthly Monday. We need to... Uh, we need to fire up the old computer. Yeah, I do. There she goes. All right. We're spitting out a number. You got your... Uh... I got it in my hand. Wow. Amazing. Okay. The number is 26. Number 26 is... That's something in the second... Early in the second season, right? Ooh. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. Twenty, either late in the first season or early in the see. second season. I believe it is late in the first season, if I'm not mistaken. This one, if I'm not mistaken, requires us to report to the disintegration chambers. This is Errand of Mercy. Is that the one? I'm, oh no, it's not the one I'm. No, thinking it's of. not the one you're thinking. Of. I was thinking of a Taste of Armageddon. A Taste of Armageddon. Yeah. Yes. What the hell is Errand of Mercy? Is that a Klingon episode? It might be. I don't know. We're gonna find out soon. Wait enough. a minute. I think we did this episode. All right, this is going to require some detective work. I think we may have done this episode. Let me see. All right, well, here's what people can do is uh, if, if if it turns out we really have done it already and just don't remember it and write it in time and stop us. Otherwise, we're going to cover the fucking thing again. That would be funny. <laughs> I, I, I'm uh, just about 100% sure that we have not done Iron uh, Mercy. I, this, I, I, we're going to be doing this, you know, we're going to be doing this more and more often as this goes on, as, you know, as we try to rub our brain cells together and figure out what <laughs> what's going on. But, yeah, no, I, I'm sure we haven't done this one. Okay. I'm looking back to the... The pictures you've done over the years of the <laughs> some things just crack me up. You're goddamn so much. ridiculous! <laughs> oh man! All right, so errand of mercy. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. So next month it's errand of mercy and more comics. So get ready. And hey, don't forget, we have split Star Trek into two episodes. So uh, come right yeah, back. If you're wondering and where the next generation is, it's in another podcast. Did you know? You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. That's right. 
Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.